What is going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the ABJ podcast, episode 84 with the president himself, Phil Stamper. He'll be joining us here momentarily. Very excited for this one. Uh, his name has come up so much on this podcast um, of so many people's journeys of how they got into this business and and all they've accomplished. And, and Phil has been a huge part of a lot of people's journey in this industry, helping them along the way and just dedicating his time into making sure this craft uh, continues on and is on the right path. So love this dude to death. And I'm super excited to have a conversation with him. But before we get into any of that, make sure you check the links below for all things ABJ, as well as my guest, uh, so you can support them and all their ventures that we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, merchandise available now. So if you go grab some T-shirts, there's uh, uh, Patreon. So once again, if you want to check out these interviews early, you can subscribe to the Patreon as little as a dollar, and you get the episode Monday before it drops on Thursday. Um, also you get to see, uh, the discord links below. If you join the discord, the dis all these episodes, when they record spoiler alert, these have been recorded all early and have been released throughout the time because of the new job, the new life situation. So, um, that will be a thing. So if you want to see episodes as they go live, join the discord. Cause that's the best way to get your questions in. Uh, and then also watch the, the stream live and uh, a live chat in the discord while it's all going down. So there's, there, there's definitely perks, even though the show's not live currently on YouTube all the time anymore, but there are ways to join and communicate and participate. Uh, and that there's your ways to go about doing it. Um, so also thank you to our huge sponsor and the ones keeping the lights on suplex vintage wrestling uh guys it has finally happened a whole store fully dedicated to vintage wrestling and they said it can never be done but i have seen it with my own eyes vintage suplex wrestling is a store curated by wrestling fans for wrestling fans located on fifth street in philadelphia pennsylvania just one block south of south street in the heart of queen village their shop features the largest collection of vintage wrestling apparel under one roof their selection includes classic designs from your favorite wrestlers from the golden age attitude era internationals indies and more and if you're tired of watching premium live events at home then svw hosts the best watch parties since your friend kyle's birthday party when you were 12 and if shirts and watch parties are not your thing then let's not forget your their selection of figures replica belts trading cards and from their t-shirts and hats to rare wrestling memorabilia they have something for every wrestling enthusiast out there so what are you waiting for check them out at uh, s suplex dot svw on instagram or at suplex.svw.com and let them satisfy your pro wrestling nostalgia needs all right well let's jump into this one here without further ado let me bring in my guest phil stamper what's going on bud hey how are you i'm doing amazing i'm super happy this is finally happening this is something that's been in the works for a while we've kicked it around but you're just you're a busy man you're all you're you're all over the place you're grinding you're keeping um you're the backbone, essentially, what I would say of the Northeast wrestling scene. Uh, and you would probably take on more if given the opportunity. Uh, you would try to take over the world if this industry, because you're, I would say, without speaking for you, your love and passion for this business is is probably better than anyone else I've ever met in this. And you you want to make sure it's in the right hands and and the right way going forward. And you're truly an inspiration to people that are in this industry. Well, thank you. I, it's Things are weird <laughs> um, because more recently, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of really positive feedback from people who were like, hey, you helped me here. Or, or like, I know you because of this reason. And my brain isn't perceiving that yet. I, so yes. it's, it's this really weird transition in, in time for me. Because like, I remember like the first time somebody seriously came up to me and was like, can you give me feedback on my match? 
And now it's gotten to this whole other level. And I'm I'm just not there yet in my brain with how to how to like rectify that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I you know, because there's I forget who it was because I have so many conversations and I meet so many people that everything kind of blends in. But somebody told me a story like they started and they were way up in the north, and they're like, Yeah, and I think I went to a thing and I've met Phil and then they he he kind of helped me very early on. I was like he was way up there too like like yeah we had a backyard show and phil showed up and like helped train us so we didn't die like your name has brought up so many times and every single time it was because you noticed that there was a need for people whether it be their training was off or they could have possibly hurt themselves or maybe they needed a bump in the right direction how to get their training started or just get be to, to be seen in this business and you selflessly go out there and make sure those jobs get done once again because of your passion for this industry and this art well thank you i mean you know i've always always raised with that lesson of don't leave a place worse than you than you found it like make it better than you found it that's always been in my brain. And for me, it's, you know, why am I not putting my best foot forward? Why am I not trying to do more than just me showing up? Um, I get bored. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it makes me feel very bored when I'm just sitting there like, okay, I'm, I'm waiting for my match. Like what, what else can I do something to help? Like, yeah, that just, that's just part of me. Yeah. So when did you fall in love with the, the business of professional wrestling? Um, I mean, I was a kid watching wrestling. I was a kid who wrote to the WCW and, and WWE at, in like middle school to be like, hey, why can't kids wrestle? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was that guy. I got a letter back from him uh, from WCW. Um, just you it, still it, have it. Uh, I know I have it somewhere. I've, they wrote me back twice. It was like the same response, but two times. I don't know. why. Yeah. Uh, and it was weird because they like I think like the first and second paragraphs were like flipped in the letters. Um, but the last paragraph was. And you can learn more about how to go get training by buying our book at the, 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 the. I never yeah, bought yeah. the book. I wish I had bought the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I was a kid and I just loved it, fell in love with it. I knew at a super young age that you had to get trained to go do it. Um, and the weird path I kind of took when I got into wrestling was I didn't start by doing in-ring training. Training. I started by working in the back um, because at, at that time in the ridiculously super hype of pro wrestling all the training schools were very expensive to go to um and i had a decision to make of going to college or going to training and i was like well what happens if i get hurt let me go let me get my education and i can go do wrestling um down the road and uh but i can start working behind the scenes so i can start learning the business i can start learning the culture because i really also didn't know if the culture was the place i wanted to be i mean as a kid was like the the different drug scandals involving wrestling and i was really cognizant of the impact that addiction has had on my family and the impact it had on me and so i didn't want to jump into a situation where i'm like oh, i'm gonna be around all these people and the a whole other level of craziness um and just so i i started working backstage for a company in virginia called uh the independent pro wrestling federation that was ran by cue ball carmichael and a different wrestling federation that was ran in state college pennsylvania and just started to learn the ropes of, of what it was to be in the business. Um, because I wanted to, I, I was so in love with it. It was like, I want to then go do it. Um, I felt like I, I couldn't just sit by and just be, be that guy just sitting there watching. I wanted to participate. 
Yeah. So what th- what roles would you take on backstage, or things that would you do on that early stages to to help the show go forward, or the, the production, or anything like that? Um, I mean, and that's just it. It was really anything. It was like ring crew, music, security. Um, I, I know I even got beat up on a match because uh, uh, by that point I had already done uh, wrestling while I was in high school. I had been done judo, so it was sort of hey, you know how it, to at least like get hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was not ready for it. <laughs> Um, but they, I trusted them and, and they trusted me. And so I got to learn some things even before I, I got my formal in ring training in ring training, uh, just by the association of being around. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, even if there's, if, if maybe you're not interested in the in ring aspect, um, and I just had people on just this past couple episodes that started off as camera people have started off just how you're saying now, just come. There's always something for someone to do, and there's always a job that needs to be done. And even if there's not a job that they think they need, it's it, it, all hands on deck to help make a show go. And just if you're a good person, we'll take it, like they'll take it, you know what I mean, and just go and help you know there's all we need graphic designers you need cameramen you need music security how you're saying um and that's a great introduction of a way to get into the business so so hearing that is pretty cool because a lot of people just think i wanted to be a wrestler i came i started training i wanted to be world champion two weeks later you know what i mean so right it, you you are the definition of you know getting your foot in the door and grinding your way up um so growing up who are some of the wrestlers that you idolized or looked up to or ones that were some of your favorites um, one of my favorites from way back was even by this point, I mean, I was not old enough for this, but I would, I had, uh, like ESPN classic would show things like uh world-class championship wrestling. So here's like eighties wrestling. Um, and Eric Embry was one of my favorites. Um, absolutely thought he was the, the most amazing thing be- because I could watch him and I could like understood what was happening and his first feud. So this may tell you a little bit for some people, it'll tell more about me a little bit. His first feud was against Skandar Akbar, who was a manager, not like a particular wrestler. It was like Skandar and his group of wrestlers. And I don't know if I could tell you offhand who some of those wrestlers were because it was all of them against Eric Embry. The, the, the manager. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so Eric as the wrestler, Eric was the wrestler, but Skandar was the manager. And so here's this bad, the bad guy manager with the crew of people trying to take out this one lone good guy for reasons. <laughs> yes. And it was, uh, it was just great. Um, so Eric Embry was certainly an early favorite. Um, and even as I started to, before I got involved in wrestling and was looking at it, Reckless Youth uh, was a huge like impact and inspiration for me wanting to get into wrestling. Um, just, I loved that in-ring style. I love the, the technical side that he had. Um, and that was sort of like the guy I wanted to be um, when I first got into wrestling. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, but there were certainly there were so many different influences along the way. Like Bruce the Barber Beefcake at one point, I was like, this guy is super cool. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, just just watching you were like, oh, this is exciting. Like, um like I love, you know, I love the rocks promos. I loved watching Ricky the dragon steamboat. Um, but then like, as I, as I started to like get into the business, then I started to become like, Oh, I like this guy for this reason or this gal for this reason. Like I can see what they're doing and this is really cool. Yeah. Um, so growing up, uh, going through school and, and, and outside of that, you said you did a little bit of judo and, and, and Matt wrestling, you said, right. So mm-hmm. was that pretty much, were you a theater kid? Did you 
go into performing arts like what all what cr- what crew did you fall in like if if we were hanging out with phil in high school where where would you have fell <laughs> um again that perception that other people had and like my own like outward perception like um i had like a very small group of friends i was when i started high school i was in band um and and had the passion for pro wrestling i wasn't in wrestling or amateur wrestling yet um and so that sort of came later and then in my junior year i found theater um randomly because i was in band we were going to do a lot like a live uh concert or um we were going to do orchestra pit for for uh, a, a musical and th- it fell apart very quickly um we we got something like we got the music like two days before the show and the director didn't really care to want to do it and so they canceled us and i went to the theater director saying i i still want to help i'm going to do whatever i can and so again i started like being crew and then i worked my way into getting on shows really quickly and um through college i started to do more theater work and actually my uh uh got into a movie when i was in college um, like my, about, I think my second year in college, I got into a movie. So, um, and then that sort of exploded from there. Cause then I started for a while. I was doing like both. I was doing like wrestling stuff and film work and theater work. Um, and it kept me really, really, really busy while it was also in college working two and three jobs. So the grind, your, your, your grind is unbelievable. Um, I don't want to date you by asking this question, but how did I've been you purposefully about- avoiding the concept I know, I know. of win? <laughs> um it's because that's the funny thing uh a lot of times that you have come up in conversations uh no one can timestamp phil like no one knows an age no one knows anything of that which is makes the mystery the mysterious of phil that much better um when how did you go about finding your first school or finding the path to do that because now people could just google wrestling schools near me or there's podcasts or there's so many different ways where the business has been that veil has been dropped where there's, it's not so much like you need to know someone to get in or like, you know what I mean? It's not that carny aspect as much anymore where it's kind of like open door policy, bring your friend. And if they have something they can, we can value, then we'll use it. Uh, How did you go about finding your first venture into the professional wrestling world? So when I, uh, well, for pro wrestling in general, I mean, the internet was around then. So like, (laughs) so, I mean, that's, that's really how I found out. Um, There wasn't a local, like a hyper local promotion. Um, IPWF at the time was about an hour, hour and a half away from where I, where I lived and a different wrestling federation was in Pennsylvania and I lived in Maryland. So that was like four mm-hmm. hours away. So the internet certainly was the linchpin then just to find out, um, where places were, um, at that time, uh, Q-Ball Carmichael's was doing training and he trained, uh, like Joey Matthews and Christian York. And mm-hmm. so he would have been a great guy. I wish I had started with him, but I just didn't have the money at the time. And, uh, as, as I was trying to get into, wrestling and there's sort of a weird convoluted something else was happening in my life it was a whole medical thing um and i was trying to get i was trying to find a school and uh, there was sort of what i thought was a time stamp of when i had to do everything by Mm -hmm. and uh found tried to find a couple schools in pennsylvania literally none of them worked out um and that was more towards the western side of pennsylvania i went to one place and I like sat outside the door all day. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. Like they literally told me, here's the time we'll be here then. Um, and then went to another place and the same thing happened. I think it's like two or three times on the Western side of Pennsylvania that just like kept happening. I'm like, okay, then the sign is, this is not the right place for me. Um, and then, uh, had a friend 
uh, that I knew through uh, backyard, honestly, backyard wrestling. And they had gone on to uh, get a training school. And I was like, oh, where is this at? And so uh, I drove from my college in Frostburg, Maryland to Owings Mills, Maryland, about two, two and a half hours away, uh, one way, um, a few times a week to start training. Um, and it, uh, didn't and then didn't turn back. Um, so I started training. Um, it was called the Dominion. Uh, my trainer, uh, my initial trainer, his name was Otto Stark. By no means, I hate to say this because I don't mean to disparage him, but he was not the best trainer. But I didn't know any better at the time. <laughs> yeah, Even yeah. though I had already been involved, he knew enough to sort of get by. But then, like, realized, I sort of realized, I don't know how long I had been there. I'm like, oh, he doesn't know. <laughs> and I remember when I like when I graduated and I, I had a match outside. And I, fortunately, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to wrestle a friend of mine. And I knew the match was bad. <laughs> and I went to him and I'm like, I just know, I just know it's bad. What should I do? And he's like, well, you can't, you know, I know where you're at. You can't really move away for training. There's not another training place near you. Do seminars, go to seminars and just pick up what you can and, and honestly find work if this is the path that you're going to take. So um, I started doing every seminar I could take. I mean, over the course of time, I've done seminars with Dr. Tom Pritchard and Mike Quackenbush and the SAT and Reckless Youth. Uh, well, not Reckless. I said Reckless Youth. I didn't mean Reckless Youth. I meant, uh, um, I was thinking John, I don't know why I was thinking Johnny Cashmere and Trent Asset and I said Reckless Youth. <laughs> I wish Reckless Youth was doing a seminar um, at, at the time I, I was getting in. Um, and then I started working every other week for this company in West Virginia called XMCW. Holy um, shit. It's everywhere. It exists still today, but on, like three owners later and they barely run like maybe once or twice a year now. Um, but they used to run biweekly events. And so um, that really started to help me some um, because I was just, I was on the regular then at that point. Um, and that just, you know, that helped by getting all the other trainings and seminars I had been going to and then getting to go there and work every other week. It was like, okay, now I'm getting it. I'm working regularly. I'm seeing it. I'm talking to, I'm learning. People are telling me more things to learn and go do. So it was so helpful to kind of do the path I did for me and how it worked out for me. Just not, I can imagine the travel and the wear and tear on your vehicle. Holy crap. <laughs> I, I've been in this business two, three years now, maybe. I don't remember. I don't know. And I've already, I'm on my first transmission blown. And I'm like, I don't know how to fix this. I have no money. I put everything into my travel <laughs> and I didn't make shit. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm in my first like slump and I just, I hear like people like you who like work in three jobs trying to figure this out. It's just like, man, I'm, I commend that so much. Cause it's not easy. <laughs> it's yeah. not. In an very unfortunate way, just by even where I live now, I'm not really in the middle of a population center and um early on like when i started in wrestling it was definitely was past the the territory days but mm -hmm. there are sort of loops that people were sticking to that like so i i went to college at frostburg maryland so that's in western maryland so it's sort of halfway it's like an hour from morgantown west virginia and so what i was finding was like the place i would go down in west virginia like the West Virginia and Pittsburgh people sort of would stay here and ride up and down West Virginia and Western Pennsylvania. And the Maryland, Baltimore, Philadelphia crew would do this circle on that side of Pennsylvania and, and Maryland, but they didn't cross. So here I am in Frostburg going, is anybody like coming my way? Like, <laughs> please. Um, and only like a couple of times was I able to like coordinate something with someone 
um, for a carpool. Cause there was, there was, I, I had about a nine month stretch one time where I didn't have a car. Um, mm -hmm. and I had just started like a new job. Uh, and so it was like, well, I'm just here to work. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and even now, like that, I mean, the, the expense I pay for my car is an important piece of it. Cause I still do a lot of my own drives. Yeah. Um, that's, that's tough, man. I, I've had to do some drives where just like Jersey and back and there's a, a, ch a huge chunk, I guess, of the drive is when you have to go so far away to pick up maybe one person or two people. And then you go from there to the venue and then from the venue there. But like, even like, for example, like Pete DeLong, I dropped Pete off and I still have like an hour and 20 minutes home alone at like four in the morning, trying to like slap myself yeah. awake. And <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's, it's insane. Uh, but honestly, like that's the most fun. Like you throw like a podcast on or some music or just like the conversations a, mm -hmm. a three, four hour drive with a good car full of people and a conversation going like makes it like so much better. I don't oh, know. Absolutely. It's, absolutely. Uh, who are some people early on that you would drive around with uh, or, or that would uh, that was part of your car when you when you were fortunate enough to find that travel? I, I was going to say, like I said, it was so rare. Um so like the one of the very first people uh, was Bill Bain. He's a wrestler out of Maryland. He's been an extra for the WWE several times. Um, and he works in that Western Pennsylvania, Maryland area. And so I think he might have been like the first person I actually like really carpooled with. Um, there was somebody else in the car at the time too. And now my brain is like, I can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> but I kind of had the same situation. It would be like, I would be the one driving forever away and then meeting up with somebody just a car away to drive an hour like yep yeah totally um what was what was the experience like of working those two different stretches was there such a was there culture differences of the way the business was handled on one side of pennsylvania and that stretch and then the other side like um I, I heard more of that the virginia area and stuff like that is more like they're more rooted in the old school like kayfabe like certain ways and the other places are kind of looser it's mixed. It really is mixed. The, I would say the biggest difference I had was the first time I went to Canada. And even then it wasn't so tremendously different. Um, it not really like the culture just still, still felt very much like the culture. Um, what, what happens in the difference in wrestling that you see isn't necessarily so much the wrestling itself, but the crowd. Um, because there are certainly pockets of a population where you can go and as long as you like turn to them, they will boo, cheer, cry, scream, like just a glance and they'll go crazy. But there's other places that you have to go to that you better be marathon running your match with every imaginable craziness that you can think of, or they're just not even going to care. They're just um, in their hands. Right. And I do think there's a good place where there's blends of that. Like I love when, when MCW's in uh, Joppa, Maryland, for example, because you get a little bit of the feed from New Jersey and Philly, but you get a little bit of this sort of old schoolness too. You get a very family based crowd and they want to be fed. So it's sort of like, okay, that's an interesting hodgepodge of people. And I really like working with that group too. Mm -hmm. When, how did the character of Phil Stamper and then the, the, the president of independent wrestling, how did that all come about? Um, over time. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've used a couple different names. Um, and it, it's so funny because I, I, I just did a seminar for, uh, the Catchpoint Academy, which is Drew Gulak and Yuta Wheeler school. And Drew knows me as Nate Stein, the Nate, the name I used to write under, um, for a whole bunch of reasons. Like when I first started wrestling, like you weren't supposed to be writing anything, even just results. So I used, I had a pen name, 
um, that I, I was love using. That. And all I was doing, I was literally just writing results. And people got mad about me writing results. I'm like, I don't understand. Okay, fine. Um, and I so I had this this other name. Um, but that's how Drew met me. So he keeps calling me Nate, which I find hilarious. Sammy Callahan every now and again will call me Nate. And I'm like, that's I, it's too funny to me. Um, because Nate Stein to me is dead and buried in a desert somewhere. Uh, so um, you, need, you need some Nate Stein shirts. Right. Author, author Nate Stein. For some reason, I, th- I, I was thinking for a moment. I, randomly, I, I do have an office job and I ended up having to stay a lot later. You messaged me to like remind me of, of like, hey, are you still good? I was like, yeah. And then literally after I said that, I got a call that I had to run across campus. So I'm still at at my office right now. Yeah. Um, but next to my desk is a beer stein with the Nate Stein logo on it. I love it. So it's the <laughs> Nate Stein Stein. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the president of wrestling sort of came about. Um, I, I was at a point. Um, this is probably um, uh, I'm trying to think how long ago it was now, maybe six, seven years ago, where I was really just thinking of like my place in wrestling where I was. I was physically going through um, uh, a lot of nerve pain and damage. And I was like, I have something's wrong. I have to do something different. Um, and I, w- I had already transitioned to some places where I was more of a mouthpiece than I was an active wrestler. And so it's like, all right, how do I finagle this? And what does this mean? Who am I as a guy, as a person? And so um, it really was like, I really am running things. Like people sort of would start by saying like, you're, you're a lot of places, like you're really both in front of camera and behind the scenes and you're like helping people to do things. And I was like, and in my real life job at the time, it was like, we used to call it like I was the mayor of a small town where I'm not necessarily doing all the work, but I was making sure all the work was happening. And mm-hmm. so very much wrestling, I was feeling like that too. And it's like, well, what if I was, I'm really, am like the president of wrestling. I really am helping to coordinate things to make them happen. So it was sort of like real life. And then as I, um, as the nerve pain got worse, I ended up having to get neck surgery. Um, I moved into more mouthpiece roles and more authority figure roles for a while. Um, and I'm still doing that. And so it really then, oh, now you're taking leadership of organizations. So you really are the president. Um, and so the only thing was I went in it with the intention of like authority figure president, like Triple H being a vice president or executive vice president mm-hmm. or whatever his official title is. Um, I wanted that. And then what I started to get when I first did it was, oh, let's play hail to the chief. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be like a pastiche of the president of the United States. I am the president of wrestling. You don't yeah. want that. You want this. <laughs> so Limp Biscuit rolling was your. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> um, so if <laughs> so, when I first met you um, was, I believe the first time I ever came across of you or just seen you as a person or I got to chat with you was uh, G- GSW uh, reunion show uh, at True Mill right before like i'm saying right before the pandemic like that show happened and then a couple maybe weeks later is like everything shut down and in that aspect i remember talking to you you're like oh i used to wrestle for a while and stuff because it was the first time really meeting you and i was still so new to the scene and i was just kind of doing the podcasting and kind of learning about independent wrestling in general at all and you just saying like i had some nerve pain and then you wore like the the vest and you said well this is kind of like one of sammy's old vests or like something like that along those lines and you were you were still I don't know if you were just fresh from your neck, like your neck or your your, your spine or the nerve pain. Yeah. And uh, you were in a mouthpiece role there, but you were more like the bad, like you were, well, the beginning of the show, you weren't the bad guy. You were playing a good guy. But by the end of the show, you turned into full heel mode and you were taking over the company and shutting it back down again. And I was like, oh man, that's kind of cool. You play that heel, heel 
character, kind of reminiscent to the how you said earlier of that manager and his team versus everybody else, like reminiscences of that. Mm-hmm. And then later on, you became more of like the good guy figure of a like with high tension. You're you're more of the the baby face, like in Phil we trust, we love Phil. And you come in, you're like, no, no, no. You're a scumbag. You have to go. You're like, you know what I mean? Like you're taking care of business in that aspect. Only what do you Ethan prefer Wilde and Killian McMurphy? I mean, yes. <laughs> what What do you prefer when it comes to the character of Phil Sampler? Ooh, see, well, what What's funny now is like Revolver. I'm both an authority figure and I'm part of a faction, and uh, definitely not well liked. <laughs> and then okay. MCW. I'm their general manager. I'm I'm more. I'm like face to neutral um definitely not in the way of like uh uh, uh um uh oh shoot my t- brain totally lost it i'm not in a, i'm not like a stone cold where like i'm an anti-hero not that kind of neutral just more like i'm i'm down the line I, i'm here are the rules i'm sticking to the rules whether you, you know i'm not trying to be a jerk i'm but i'll lean more towards being the nice guy at mcw but in the way so the way i sell it is well at revolver people just don't like me for whatever reason they don't like me at mcw people get me uh, so it must be an East Coast thing. It's high tension. People get me. So I'm, yeah. a, I'm a, everybody loves me at those places. And then <laughs> when I go to the West, I don't know what happens. They just, they get, well, maybe the authority figure. We're so conditioned that in professional wrestling, if there's an authority figure, they're probably bad. Or they don't, they have no, they have, don't have good intentions or they mess everything up. Right. Um, trust issue. Yes, absolutely. Just like most presidents. <laughs> if, if you, if you were to um, pick on the scene, someone if you had to campaign against listen maybe maybe one day somebody runs for presidency of independent wrestling and they come up with like who would be your vice president or who would be someone you would run with well kind of make a solid campaign two notes with that the first one is um so i am the president of wrestling there is matt cardona out there going he is the president of independent wrestling he wants to be the president of independent wrestling that's fine i have a trademark for the president <laughs> of wrestling i am in charge of all of it yes <laughs> um so that's that's one um two who would be the second in command see that's that's a wide scoping yeah crazy thing um because like part of me is like well i don't want necessarily to be somebody under a contract because then, i mean that that means that they they're, they belong to that other place yeah um Ooh, Jake Christ could probably make a good could make a good running mate. I feel like he okay. would have a good base of people um, that would turn some heads and turn some interest. I'm like, oh, what's he doing with Phil? Um, but he might not trust me as well. So yeah, a little bit of a mix. But, but I mean, you you have your campaign spot style that people love, and your vice has to be kind of <laughs> on same par, but definitely have a bring another form of a crowd to you, so you guys combine forces to get more votes you know what i mean so i I have a possible running mate um i don't think you're gonna like it though but i think from an entertainment standpoint it'd be very funny to see used to combined uh especially me at like a high tension brand um i think a good running mate for you and a good vice president would be the next guest following you on this podcast and uh be big big dust that's Phil not Stamper bad. and Big Dust. That the is president not and bad. vice president of, of, of pro wrestling. I he definitely would get a secretary position. I don't know what of. <laughs> um, 
He'd be my, he'd be like my, he'd be the press, the sec- press secretary. Okay. Okay. I could totally would, see him run that. Would he, would he be the only goon to get a job under your, in your cabinet? More than likely. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess, well, I guess Nelson uh, could be always like, you know, he's the ambassador to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have prepped that uh, and had like the whole list of different cabinet members that we could have picked that. that That's another bit for another time. That'd be a lot there of fun. <laughs> Um, so grow like when you were in this scene, kind of going back to when you when you were active in a wrestler, um, there's always the videos of you stretching people out or they're not paying attention, you throw them in a submission. Was that a lot of your style? Were you the were you the stretcher, the shoot worker? Like how like what who was Phil as the wrestler? Well, so it it's it's become its own life now. Like it's become its own separate weird thing. So when you see that now, it's definitely a little bit more hyped up of a level than where it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think of like a reckless youth or even like today, a Zack Sabre Jr. Who you think of like, oh, wow, they, they have these, these great submission stuff. But like, if you watch them as a whole being, it's like, oh no, they have this whole technical path, but like, that's because they could do a whole match. And then the, here were the highlights that happened to be these crazy, weird, outstanding submission holds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Hey, if people want to know me now as like the Stu Hart of, of wrestling, I'm totally down with that. Like I, <laughs> I let me be the basement dungeon and let's do it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, um, when I started in wrestling, it was still very much, uh, you have to be a big guy and you have to be over six foot tall. And I'm not. <laughs> um, and so when I mentioned when before I, about, real you know, quick, when I first made your thumbnail, me. when I first made your thumbnail, I had it like what, how the size it was. And, and I try to put everybody in the same framing of the thing. And when I first sent you it, you weren't in the same frame. I was like, I'm not doing my boy feel like that. And I stretched you out more. I stretched you out more. I gave you more of the frame. You know what I mean? Because uh, you were definitely a little smaller than everybody else. So I added, I didn't want you to do you dirty. And I, I gave you more frame there. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, but when I first started, like there was a lot of people over six feet tall. And yeah. so I wanted to learn aerial, like aerial moves. I wanted to, I mean, I, I was already friends with like, with ruckus. And like, I was seeing all the crazy things he could do. And I, so, I, but I wanted to, learn that stuff and my trainer was like we'll get to it and we never got to it um because he didn't know how to do that stuff so why would why would i ever get taught and i really felt like i was like put on a limb like well what's going to make me different than everybody else that he's training right now and it's like well i have a legitimate grappling background i can do some other things that maybe other people don't know how to do or what to do yet um and so i incorporated more of like a mat based grapple wrestling techniques and judo stuff into my wrestling because I felt like I need to do something here. <laughs> um, and, and that's sort of how it started. Um, the, the, the legend of Phil Stamper stretching people. Um, when I was working that show uh, down in West Virginia, that was like every other week. The first time I went down, um, I actually stayed with a, with a friend of mine, Chance Prophet, um, down that way and stayed with him for, um, if not, I don't think it was a whole week, but a few days, several days. And we just did training. And then um, we went on and like the last day was like the, uh, uh, an event. And before the event, somebody came up to me and was like, hey, Phil, I heard that you knew how to like, you know, how to actually wrestle and, you know, shoot. Like, do you want to roll a little bit? I was like, sure, let's roll. Um, and and handily tapped him out and just thought, oh, that was fun. Like, hey. And then I had a couple other challenges. OK, fun. I, and I tapped them out, too. And uh for about the next six months before every show, people would keep kept coming up to me like, hey, Phil, do you want to roll? I was like, sure. And I was fortunate that all except maybe like one person, I tapped out or choked out. And 
about six months go by and I finally ask one of them, like, you always ask me if you want to roll, like, where did this all come from? And he's like, oh, Chance Prophet told us that you were from the North and you were trained different. And if we messed up with you in the ring, that you would stretch the ever living Lord out of us. So yeah. we wanted to actually like test you and see if you could do that. That seems to be a Northern thing. Like, like if you mess with some people in Jersey, uh, I would say more. I'm not trying to throw shade at the wrestling community. I know guys like Miles get a little offended. Uh, him and Trotsky have some fun banter over bat wrestling and what states better. Um, but these P these PA Do Delaware, um, New York, New Jersey, I Ohio, like mm -hmm. Matt wrestling's a big deal up here, yeah. and a lot of people who convert over from pro wrestling to um, from the Matt thing, like. You're gonna get you're gonna meet some workers. <laughs> and and let me just say this really quickly since you brought up John Trotsky. <laughs> Trotsky likes to throw all the shade. He would never roll with me. Oh every time I would try because like he'd be rolling with somebody else and I'd come in like, oh let's let's he would always like sort of like leave. And I'm like, what's going on? And then one day I, I was like, I'm putting this to the test. And so I was like, okay, like I tried to get him to roll, he wouldn't roll. And then like I think he was rolling with somebody else, and like it was like you know, a tag match, and everybody's just rolling around the ring and i tagged it and he like left the and left the ring and then i started to make fun of him for it i was like you are so afraid of me now what did i do and he's like well i know you know how to wrestle and i know you actually know judo and by that point i'd done jujitsu too he's like i know yeah. you know that stuff i don't want to get stretched out <laughs> I was like, okay because jujitsu i mean like you could be a really good mat wrestler, but when you when you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's I mean it's been proven time and time again that that you do have a, a little bit more of an advantage because of the and it's a lot of it is the rule sets, right? So like in wrestling, you can't do certain things that you could do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but if it's just a straight up like we are trying to not just pin, but maybe look for the submission or the tap or the roll, Jiu Jitsu is going to be your better bet in those scenarios. That's where like that's the beauty of mixed martial arts is because it's all those different styles combining to one and it has been proven time and time again that bjj is the uh wrestling's a great base but if you could put wrestling with the bjj you're 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 gonna be a, you're gonna be a problem for people i used to, i used to joke with people that by the time i got into wrestling i had already dealt with the politics of judo and like i was all i was i was over i was well too advanced for all the politics and pro wrestling because of judo judo because it, this is so weird even more than amateur wrestling um but like judo because it's in a an Olympic sport and a martial art, it means something different. And yeah. I was like, what? And, and so I would go to, I would go to tournaments and I saw like, I saw shady deals go down at tournaments for judo, um, like for belt promotions that one school, well, they also, all the officials came from one school. And so their guys could never lose. And there's certain scoring things that happen in judo. And like, Basically, if you throw somebody and it's a great throw, it's an automatic point and you automatically win your match. And I saw somebody from the Navy Academy throw this kid and admit or see other way around this one school. This guy threw somebody from the Navy Academy in midair without touching the ground. The Navy Academy guy reversed it and pinned the other guy. Well, the official gave the award to the guy from the other school and not the guy from the Navy Academy who should have won the match because the oh well, he started the throw. And it's like, no. Yeah. In midair, the other guy reversed it. Like the other yeah. guy wins the match, and it was it was just shady stuff. So I it was, was just like, it was just as pro wrestling as anything else. Right, right, yeah. That honestly, that's what. So I got out of pro wrestling and became a fan of mixed martial arts, 
and like kind of put wrestling aside because I was like I was obsessed with like watching jujitsu and then like I got more into watching mat wrestling and 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 mixed martial arts and UFC, and then it, <laughs> UFC got to the point where it's like well. Actually, your ranking and your wins and losses don't matter. If you can go and cut a good promo, you get the title shot. And I was like, I might as well go back to wrestling. Right. <laughs> and like, and then I kind of incorporated both again because I felt wrestling fans accepted pro wrestling, like the MMA side of things. And MMA were like, we don't want anything to do with pro wrestling, that stuff. And I was like, yeah, but you're getting so much of your business and how to promote fights from the other one. Like, you might as well just cross over. They help each other so much. <laughs> <laughs> um let's get some uh, questions here in the chat one of the first ones that popped up uh one of our discord uh resident uh old school wrestling fans says eric Embry feuding with uh, akbar was a great feud with wrestlers like gary young cactus jack super ninja the great muda kamala and tim brooks check it out on youtube so there you go got some some love there from that feud there is there's like a 27 part youtube series about that feud <laughs> <laughs> well you you struck up some nostalgia there and then uh let's see what we got here some guest questions for phil um who are some of your early influences your career and who influences you now um well i mentioned reckless youth before certainly he was a huge yep. influence um when i wanted to start wrestling um i was a big fan of like that that what what i kind of think led to the early ring of honor style so like mm -hmm. seeing guys like a low-key and a reckless youth and uh, uh daniel bryan and and them uh, brian Danielson, whatever sorry uh, you get so That's used so to one and another yeah. yeah um and and see how all of that culminated into what eventually became like a ring of honor i think really they they sort of head charged that um that was the style i really liked and and just absolutely loved and adored um but i don't i think over time it keeps changing um because there's more people and new people in wrestling um, like today, my favorite wrestler is Zack Sabre Jr. And I say probably a lot of it to do. Not only do I like the style, but it, probably a lot of it is I've never worked with him. And so I've never had to deal with the person that is Zack Sabre Jr. He could be the biggest jerk in the world and I would never know. But therefore, I have no biased opinion. I only know I, him. I will I say think. from someone who is a tough critic of people in the wrestling business, uh, I will just say Deppin, Tony Deppin, uh, says Zack Sabre Jr. is a sweetheart and a very nice guy. Even though he broke his arm, he said he was one of the nicest people and he wants to run it back. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, not because he broke Tony's arm, but because somebody else, when I first said that to, about him, they were like, well, okay, it was Sammy Callahan. I was like, man, why do I can't believe you said that because he almost broke my arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, any other, uh, if there's any other influences before we go to the next one? Um, those are probably the biggest ones I can think of right off the top. Yeah. Even, and then same question from same person, Hunter Dillon, even though it's not submission hold Sunday, I have to ask, what is your favorite submission to apply to somebody? Ooh, my discord's Ooh, doing some evil. research on you there. Right. I mean, okay. But I, ha I have, I go two ways. Like there's the one side. I love an octopus. Like I think octopus hold is really cool. Um, I modified mine, um, being a little, being smaller but stouter than some people so i do a rolling version that is sort of like a seated version so we're already like on the ground and staying on the ground when i do it um and i know a couple of variations off of it so instead of like just grabbing the arm sometimes i'll grab the opposite leg so for amateur wrestling people it comes like a banana split more than it does an octopus um <laughs> but it's sort of like a blend of both so it, it's it's uncomfortable um but because of i would say a lot of both the judo background and of course I was a big fan of Taz uh, when he was coming into e when he was in ECW. So like 
even today I grab a test mission sometimes when I can, cause it's right there. Um, yeah. because it's just different. It's just a little different. Um, not, you don't see a, a test mission all the time. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of, I went for that in competitive judo. And so now like I borrow that in pro wrestling too. Uh, now there's the infamous, I, it's, it's a tough one because you, I, I like the work that came out of this place, but obviously it ended on a bad note, but, uh, and it's, it's one of the most independent wrestling submissions of all. Have you ever learned the special submission move? We'll just, without giving it its first name, the special, we'll just say. I think that is the worst submission hold in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Now uh, there, there was, there was a, a, a fan day of the person that helped to create the special. And there was this video that went around for a little bit of him putting it onto a person. And the, the biggest thing he did was he torqued the guy's wrist. Um, yeah. But when you watch that hold, like he did literally like he grabbed him by the side of the hand and like went like that. And I'm like, that will hurt anybody. Yeah. Um, the inverted special though that Tim Dance does is a legit submission hold, and I really yeah. like that one. Um, that's that's one of my favorite things about the fact of when I left professional wrestling as a fan and then went became a mixed martial arts judo and all that stuff fan, and then coming back to pro wrestling. I loved. I guess I missed that whole ROH boat and that whole style, and then coming back, I was like, oh, they're actually doing like. Figure fours and sharpshooters, no one's giving you their legs to put those on. Like, it's just not a thing. And then you go yeah. and you see submissions now when they incorporate real submission holds into professional wrestling. Like, sometimes it pisses me off when someone has like a full arm bar and they're like fighting out of it. And they're like, oh, I'll, like, no, you're, it's broke. Yeah. You're done. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate a rear chin lock when like the person's elbow is like here. Like, yeah. no, <laughs> like here. <laughs> um, but I do enjoy that more i think one of my favorite seminars i ever got to just hang out because uh, i was doing commentary for a show and i know this guy's in some heat right now and did some uh i don't mean alleged i don't know uh, what what the converted was but one of my favorite seminars i got to watch was davy richards um because he was teaching everyone legit submissions because he's no joke in that department but he was also like here's how the submission is done in the world of professional wrestling but here is if you're ever working with somebody and they decide they're going to get tough with you, uh, just modify it here. And then you got this guy by the ball. And I was just like, it was just so fun of him just kind of like going, well, here's a submission. But if I just do this instead, and the guy's like, ah! <laughs> I should clarify about the special. The only person who I've seen who, who I think has put it on in a way that would probably actually do some damage was Chris Hero. Yeah. He's the only person I've seen. Everybody else is gets, I think, sort of to your point, it, they got very lackadaisical about how they did it. And mm -hmm. so therefore it wasn't a good looking submission hold. It was yeah. like the, the rear chillonk with the elbow down in the middle of the chest. Uh-huh. Um, if you were to fight any wrestler in the past, present, or future, who would it be and why? Sammy Callahan, any day of the week. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> um Sammy Callahan, <laughs> um, Sammy Johnston and I are good friends. Sammy Callahan, I want to see regularly punched in the face. There are too many days where Sammy Johnston is really Sammy Callahan and I can't stand it. And so I, I, and I tell I have you're told pounding him, on the desk as you're, you're so fired up. <laughs> I, have, I have told this to him into his face. Like yeah. I just can't. Um, th there are occasional times. Like I, I think, Fortunately, I'm I'm somebody who takes a lot to like really like work up and get mad. <laughs> and it takes me a lot more to stay there. And there's only been like 
two people i think in all of wrestling who like i hear their name and i actively get like acid reflux like um and not that i would necessarily even fight them but just like i would be very mad with them enough yeah. to fight them but there's like a plenty of people out there like do what one's one of those names is sammy sammy doesn't make me like have active bile though okay <laughs> i'm just i'm frustrated with him sometimes but there are people who are like i want i would love to have a, a fight with because i think it would be it, have you ever, remember like early APA days when it was like they weren't the APA yet, but they would just start fighting each other a little bit and then they uh -huh. would have a beer together. Like those are some of the fights I want to have. Like um, the Carver of Cutters Alley and I did have a street fight, which no one will ever see because the promoter will never put out the footage. Um, but it was an amazing it was an awesome fight. He beat my ass for 12 minutes and it was great. <laughs> um, I, I would fight him again in a, in a, in a heartbeat. Um, I have a friend in, in Arkansas named Wesley Crane. He wrestles sort of like at the Arkansas, Oklahoma, Texas area. He's a, he's a great guy. I would, I would, I've been, we have been actively talking about how we can put together a fight somehow. Um, Eric Cannon. Um, and I have been friends forever. And though we've been on the same shows together, we've never really like interacted. Um, and so I would want to do, I would love to do something with him. But I think by the time we're going to do it, we're both going to have walkers. Yeah. Still counts. The worst. I mean, Sting's gonna be in Wembley. So, there you go. <laughs> Which I was like, oh my god, are they gonna give the the uh, Nick Wayne a shot in Wembley with Darby? And I was like, nope. <laughs> Sting, get in there. <laughs> Loves. I I respect Sting for what he's done, but give the young kid a shot. Uh, <laughs> so, speaking of names like uh, like your Nick Waynes of the world, uh. You, you are very in touch, really in tuned with what's going on in the world of independent wrestling and, and just wrestling in whole. Who are some names uh, right now that you've been watching or going to shows and seeing just because here's the thing with you as well is you don't also just judge their in ring, but their character outside of the ring. And that's I think that I, that's what I try to do as well. Like if you see someone on my podcast or someone I'm taking a picture with or someone who I'm really involved in, it's not just because I I'm not just marking out because of their in ring ability. They're good. They're good people as well. Mm -hmm. So who are some people that more locker rooms should be bringing these names in, not just for their in ring, but what they bring to the table and their work ethic and what they're they're putting out there. And you know we're at, we're, in, we're in a very weird swing in in pro wrestling and it's sort of like this it's like a double swing what's happening right now there's so much wrestling content out there that is viewable wwe aw impact new japan so readily accessible mlw um championship wrestling from hollywood or probably and nwa are probably the biggest names right now in the united states when it comes to companies um and how they're getting stuff out there and they have televised programming um, or very active youtube um television mm -hmm. programs and so uh, it, it, having a tier that's already there, but then you have this gigantic tier of people who are ready for television who aren't getting called up yet. And because of the pandemic, then you got a backlog of people who never like matured into the systems because nobody was really, there wasn't a lot of movement at that time. So mm -hmm. it's like you have this weird captures here and even a little lower and then a new tier of people coming up. Like, um, I, I put this out. I said this yesterday uh, on a, on a, uh, my social media, like rookie of the year, Junie Underwood all day. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, and and when I when I say this next, I, it's funny because I didn't think of his name, but I was thinking he was around longer. So he might qualify for rookie, but he might also qualify for most improved. Ricky Price is another guy from the Northeast right now. Um, you know, what's crazy. Uh, it's not. Well, this is going to air later, so people aren't going to know about it. But we're, we're calling it now. Um, that's a match I've been wanting to see happen for quite some time. Okay. It's going to, it may happen on Sunday at the sanctuary. 
Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, th that's because I think stylistically, I think they're gonna do they're gonna put magic together, and I've been become I became really close with Ricky, and I'm becoming close with Junie, and I was just like, and they were kind of like we they were of each other, and they want to work each other, and I'm like, well, here's the place to do it if you could both make the drive, and yeah. uh, I think we're putting together Sunday. I hope it happens. I hope if it doesn't happen, I'm sorry, but uh, I totally agree. I think there are two names that are just unbelievable, and they're both in that same thing where they started in the pandemic, and they had to stop, and then they started again. So yeah. totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, but there are people like um, Brent Oakley, who's out in Ohio. There's Gia Scott, who's out of Baltimore. Um, there are, um, I smirk, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to put this on him yet. Uh, <laughs> um, Aaron Wade from Tennessee. And yes, there's Jaden Newman, too, out of Tennessee, who, who helped to train him, um, mm -hmm. who are already on the rise and already on a lot of people's radars. But I'm like keeping attention out because I'm like, I think. I think something more is going to happen with Aaron and I don't think he knows it yet. Um, and I look, at, I even look at refs. Like I look at, I look at Gina and I look at shiny shoes, Aaron, um, like who are um, and ref shark who are just amazing refs. And shark is also a wrestler. Like <laughs> there's, so there's, there's just such amazing talent out there. Um, Kurt Robinson, who um, was in the Philly area, left the Philly area, went down to North Carolina because he was in high school. Um, now his, gone through college and is now back uh training again and so like i'm waiting to see him like make his way out there again um there's there's people like miami mike and um miles hawkins and uh, um just there's just so much talent that's out there right now that i'm just waiting for like the, there's going to be something that's going to happen that's going to be special but i don't know what that what that special is yet mm -hmm. and i don't know if it's because something else will come or there's going to be an implosion somewhere else and it's going to make a whole bunch of room for these people and then they're going to go up. Um, because like you're seeing like a Billy Starks is on so many radars right now and where she's at, like she's probably one of the best paid independent wrestlers in the world right now. She, she's going, she, was, she wasn't even done high school yet and she had she had 90% uh, of the, the women's and men's divisions of independent wrestling like, yo, can you fly her across the country so I could work her? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's insane. Um, Like, I'm going to get the, I know I'm going to get the age wrong because like, not that I'm putting this person over, but you know, Teddy Hart used to say his claim to fame was like, he was the youngest person ever to get a WWE contract. Not that he'd ever did anything with it. But Ken Doan was, I think, one day shy of his 18th birthday and was wrestling on Raw. Mm -hmm. um, who is Kenny or Kenny Dykstra. Um, mm -hmm. Spirit Squad Kenny. Um, and he, I mean, he's, if you think about it, he's still in his like early 30s. <laughs> and like now he's an agent for the WWE and runs a training school uh, up, at, up in New England. Bobby Orlando. Like where, he, why isn't he on more events right now? um jt dunn is probably the best unsigned wrestler in the world right now yeah. um and then you have people who are signed who are able to do other shows like it, it was it was so funny because my everything in my brain was like say speedball mike bailey say speedball mike bailey and it's like but he's under contract phil like he's already yeah. that guy like he's already there ace austin is already there trey miguel is already there like but they're gonna but they're also three people who keep growing and getting better they don't they're not like, oh, I'm here and now I'm just going to play it out. Like they I was, doing new things. I was at Speedball's show. Uh, he ran the fighter tainment at Tony Deppin's brewery. And Speedball's the kind of guy that like he, he's 
he he's he's contracted right i don't want to say he's made it because there's still way more that he could be doing with his talent but his heart he puts so much hard work into this industry and this business and not only is he like made a name for himself but he is using his name and his platform to then put on other shows to give the Junie Underworlds and 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 the Athens and the Lost Boys and Mookie and all of these people these opportunities to go out and and work with him and travel with him and get them that opportunities to get better and it's just like Speedball man he's an A plus in my book just for his character. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, so we we said a lot of those upcoming names. Now there was a time in independent wrestling. I know I, I'm sure you were there the same day I was. IWTV 100, where two gentlemen went out there and just showed all of us in that building that they are the future of professional wrestling. And it, it, that was, that was uh, a Wheeler Yuta and, and Daniel, da, Daniel Garcia. Um, th- is there anyone that's at that level on the indie scene who hasn't been picked up? There's only one name from right. Well, two names. I would say Marcus and Jordan Oliver, uh, cause Wayne's already kind of up there that mm-hmm. I think, are really good, like going to be names that we're going to be talking about in the next five to 10 years. I, I so much want the world for Matt Mikowski. Um, wow. What a name. I, that's, that's a great pick. Great pick. Like I, I mean, he, he just went through, a, he's at a good place. Um, but he went through a bad time with his knee recovery um, when he came back from his ACL surgery. Um, and that, that took a long time for him to get over um, and also coming out of the pandemic, but he is, he is such an outstanding talent in the ring and such a top notch person that mm-hmm. like on both levels, he's very, in my brain, he's a lot like that, that, that speedball Mike Bailey mentality. Like yes. he's that guy that I, I would love to see at more places. Here's a nine for you. Darius Carter. That is very true. Talent. Yeah. I mean, talent wise, he's there. Attitude wise, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love but we are i mean you have more access than most how you're you're dropping names from tennessee and all over the, i mean i'm kind of locked into the northeast area and uh, i and then like gcw when they went over to uh la showed me a whole nother side of independent talent they're like wow look like you got the kid bandits the uh like names like that out there that are just killing it and it's just like there's so much like how we talk about that wrestling iceberg like what we see on tv is just this and then underneath it is that feeder independent program and and uh I, I want my platform to be a spot where people can learn about those new names and, and just hear us talking about these names so you can go follow them. Um, one last thing I want to say before we get towards, like, if there's any other questions I could read for you in the Discord, but you you put a lot of work every month, and I, I, I implore everyone to go follow Phil on all social media. His links will be below. But you put a spreadsheet out every month of every promotion that you can come up with or and you incor- and, 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 and encourage people to message you with their promotion so you, you you literally put so much time and effort into this how did that come about and i i don't even want to ask why because after this conversation we know why you're doing it but um how did that come about and 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 what is what is uh the overall goal for that um so it, it it's weird because it sort of has had two different lives the, uh, when i first did it um i was actually only doing i was living in pennsylvania at the time and i was only doing pennsylvania promotions um, that's sort of how it started. And at that point I was even doing, uh, information about the upcoming event and like the card that had been announced. Um, and that, I mean, that got to be a lot. And I started to expand to other, you know, any other promotions I could find at that point. 
and it was it was just a lot. I sort of burned myself out because it was just so much. And there was somebody else in in wrestling at the time. His name was DT Cutting, who was doing the list a little bit more like how I do it now. Like it's sort of like the one line at a time. Here's all these promotions. Um, and then DT sort of vanished. I don't know what happened. Uh, if if he's still around, I hope he is, and that he's in good health. But I, I haven't heard him from him in a long time. Um, I won't say who, uh, but somebody in my wrestling life. I, I I had started to work for CZW, and I when I was there, I was doing all of their press and social media. And uh, somebody who was there or around, I guess they because they really weren't there at that point. They were just around. Was like there's no wrestling anymore. There's no wrestling happening on the weekends. Nobody's doing anything. I was like, crazy. What are you talking about? Like I see all the time, like just on my friend's Facebook pages, I could see all the stuff that was going on. So that's how it started was I just started looking at my friend's Facebook pages and just putting together like this little list of stuff. Um, and I used to, I keep used to keep it in a notebook document uh, or notepad on, on my computer because whenever I would replace it from the top. So like when, you know, the dates passed, I'd put it at the bottom and I would, I would cycle. I would like go back through the list of those, those events if they weren't repeating that I knew of them and then start to plug them back in again um, to try to keep this regular rotation. Um, and then uh, it advanced to a point uh, where somebody was interested in standing up an event webpage. Um, and the person, the, they were the, like a coder. They knew how to build a webpage. I do not have the, um, I don't have the architecture set to do what they were doing. And so I started to use his platform. Well, then his platform, the coding broke, but it helped me to see how to lay it out and to do a different kind of spreadsheet. So now I use a, a Google doc uh, mm -hmm. or Google sheet um, to track all of the, all of these independent events. And then I have a separate Google doc that I'm tracking also promotions and their contact information and their social media. And so that's been helping. I'm also tracking. Um, I, I have fallen off this. I do this wax and wane on this. I track some independent wrestling seminars. And when they're or just wrestling seminars, I guess I shouldn't say independent. Um, when you have like when you have when you have Gabe Sapolsky, who's an agent for the WWE doing seminars, that's not an indie seminar. That's just a seminar. Um, so I, I've, I'm trying. I'm sort of tracking all three of those right now. Um, there's a whole other category that could be added to that. That's one of the things I, I, I'm trying to figure out just to put people in the right direction is obviously if you can't make it to a show, um, the world of production of independent wrestling has picked up, whether it's on their YouTube pages or some mm -hmm. promotions now are doing a Patreon where you get to see their matches through Patreon, which I think is a good idea. And it's not bad to throw five bucks and get the support that way. Uh, Twitch channels are putting wrestling out there. Um, mm -hmm. IWTV, which is probably one of the biggest and now Fight TV who have I mean, that Fight TV promotion is great because not only with the $5 a month, you get GCW's entire library. And I mean, just for Mania Weekend alone, the five bucks or whatever it is for the year is going to pay you just enough for the wrestling weekend for GCW. And then you get everything else. I know there's a lot of promotions on there who are kind of on the, the Fight TV side of things. There's another one. I don't know what it's called, but it's Premier Fight Network uh, or Premier, Premier Network. Streaming Network, yep. Yeah, and so there's like there's so much out there that if you're looking to say like you want to support a promotion or you want to go search out a wrestler, even though you can't, maybe they wrestle in a different state. There's ways you can go and support these other wrestling promotions also. Absolutely, there's yeah, so much out there, and I, I it's weird because during the pandemic, I was like trolling those pages, and I would always plug like where you could where you could watch it on Fight or on IWTV. I even made a, a Facebook page 
um, that's called uh, uh, Wrestling on Facebook Live because I wanted another outlet for people not only to promote, but also then because people were sharing things on YouTube and, and Facebook Live, like here's where you can put it, like give people like sort of a little bit of a, a free channel. Um, and then it, now it's become more on the promotion side because now people have reverted away from doing like free stuff on YouTube and, and, and Facebook as much. They're still out there, but it's just not as much. Um, yeah. And now a lot of them are doing that streaming. So I do try to capture on the calendar now, like on IWTV, on Fight TV, on yeah. whatever the streaming platform is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the last question I have for you is our, I, I forgot it last episode and I'm very, very, very sorry to Hunter. Uh, logos by Hunter, who has been, I have over a hundred pieces of merchandise on my online pages because Hunter has just been killing it when it comes to logos boosts and trying to just help me with this car and getting some money and raising some funds just to get my life back on track. So I, I, I thank him so, so much. Uh, if you're anyone out there looking for logos or looking for a way to uh, get that as well as intro music, I have Hunter and like the converse kid um, as well as a bunch of other artists I work for. I know in the future I want to start spreading out and cause I was just talking to crusher who's a who's an artist and i was like oh i have like a abj podcast crusher inspired logo um it'd be kind of cool to give everybody a shot at a logo and then promote them and, and give them some work once i start making some money but um his question uh is if you can write a, a letter to a younger self what would that letter say oh my god <laughs> it's a um, deep question it is here's where my brain went first really quick I am a ridiculous Doctor Who and Star Trek nerd. So like I went into the told time paradox of one of the things I would tell myself, <laughs> but that I could be able to avoid if I told myself um, without creating a horrible time paradox. <laughs> would, it, um, would it be stay away from Sammy? No, <laughs> I don't see Sammy's one of those like it's kind of a fixed point in time. Like you have to deal with Sammy Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like I, there are there are some things like uh it's so funny because even now like i for context i have three college degrees i work in higher education i, I uh, like and there are times i trip over my words because i'm an idiot <laughs> and so like there are those moments where it's like not that i think i've ever like rushed to say something before i've thought it through but at the same time like hey with this person just give a minute like, like, or, or, be, or just avoid them completely. Cause it's going to be disastrous. Um, like a couple of those feel like they would, they would come to mind. Um, but you know, in, in general, there would be a lot of stick with it or try a little harder. Like, like, don't, don't, don't give up. It's going to work out. Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, even very recently back in, back in early June, um, my, those first two weekends, I had seven bookings in, in two weeks had, um, the Thursday before that first weekend in 24 hours, three of them canceled. And by the end of it, only one event didn't cancel out of those seven, the other six did. And I was very down on myself. I was like, I don't understand what's going on. What have I done wrong? Um, I'm not hearing back from places I, I, or, or I've heard back, but I've heard these really weird cryptic things, or I've heard downright. I, I started to tell people like, I've had some fun lies lately told to me, like, here are my list of lies that people were telling me. And it's like, I don't understand it. Like why? And I reached out to somebody who I trust and respect and be like, I just need an opinion. Can you tell me your opinion? And they got heated um, because they thought I was trying to out a friend of theirs. I was like, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. I need advice and an opinion. And like, um, 
because I'm trying to figure out I'm still working and I'm still doing stuff and I'm still in a, in multiple promotions, but why am I not doing more? And I've tried every, every, not every trick. I've trick feels like, you know, you're trying to play a trick on somebody, but like I've tried every thing in my playbook to like reach out to people or I've tried every loop of like, Hey, I'm going out this direction. I'm going to be out that way. I would like to be there. Hey, I have family in this area. Um, I even had a promoter who I reached out to them and we started to talk and they were like, Oh, you're mutual friends with this person. And I'm like, yeah, that's my cousin. And they were like, Oh, I'm like best friends with her. I went, we went to high school together and da, 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 da. I couldn't get booked. From <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, who then trolls me on revolver content. Um, and like make like not bad comments, but just sort of comments and like super complimentary. I'm like, well, why won't you use me? I don't understand. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I was just really, really down on myself. And, and you know, I think a little bit of encouragement of like those moments are going to happen. But then you're going to have what I'm gonna, what I'm about to walk into starting next weekend, which is from the end of August through Thanksgiving, I'm booked every single weekend. Yeah. Um, not completely, though. There's more days in av available in those weeks and weekends, um, but at least one event every single weekend. And so it's going to happen and it's going to come and it's going to be a fight. And you're not going to always get the gold medal in the, at the end. Um, and sometimes it's, it is a little about the relationships that you make, um, and that it has to be its own reward to you at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I'm going to kind of double back on what I said at the start of this, man. When I first got into this, I'm so thankful of where and how and who I've been around so early in this journey. Um, cause I, I, I was always a fan and I never expected to be in are considered a part of the business and still part of me doesn't always think I am a member of the team. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm kind of always thought of myself as like, I'm the podcaster who kind of comes in every now and then. Like I showed up at leapfrog and I walked in and I was just like, I have a trunk full of equipment that like, I think would make the show look and sound better. And then like, that was kind of my in and people like you and, and especially you man are like, what I hear about you when I looked into you and I like, like how you conduct yourself or how you're willing to make those tribes by yourself to go places where it's a locker room full of people that you may or may not know, but you're leaving with more connections and more friends and more outreach. And you still use all of your hard work and dedication to then put over other people or try to make sure that their hard work gets seen. And like, you're a huge inspiration of why I do what I do. And I kind of reformatted how I do the ABJ podcast, because sure, I want my brand to grow and I want to, be a content creator for a job and a living, but everything that I'm doing is to shed light on people who I feel deserve it. And, and I gotta say, man, like feel you're, you're a huge reason why I do what I do. And I, I, I respect the shit out of you. Thank, I appreciate Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And if they're, and if people aren't using you, they're fools, they're fools <laughs> because you, you work so goddamn hard to, to, and you, your, your, your love and passion for this business is it's, it's, it's contagious. Like, I, and it's you're just you're your joy to be around and i want to just personally from my end just say thank you for all you've done for this industry well thank you i i really appreciate that yeah where where can people find you on social media or uh to support you in your and to throw some gas money to you because you're driving all over the place so i not so subtly put my social media handle <laughs> in my name tag um so i'm almost on every single social media platform at trust and fill uh, my cash app is trust and fill. Uh, my, PayPal, <laughs> my PayPal might actually do it. be PS, you know, I'm still, but yeah, everything yeah, is pretty much all of my social media is, is trust and fill. So I'm on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube. Do you, you have merge pages? 
So unfortunately, the company I was using decided that they no longer wanted to fulfill people's requests um, without giving them their money back. So I had to close my store down. So I'm actually looking for a new vendor right now to have a storefront. Or you can just make your own at T-Public or Teespring. I mean, that's that's probably honestly where I'm going to end up is on Teespring. Yeah, um, I, I need the presidential seal T-shirt, man. There you go. I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's sort of the next thing is like, I just need to sit down and do that. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I mentioned before, I work in higher education and my our semester starts Monday. So I've yeah. been sort of buried under that. Yeah, uh, well, once again, I want to thank you so much. Uh, everybody, next week on the podcast will be the one and only future vice president of professional wrestling. Uh, Big Dust will be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I can have Killian on soon too. You know what I mean? I work through the goons, you know, I'll get him, then Miles, and and then you have to go goon adjacent of like former goon or maybe just hung out with the goon or ate breakfast with them. There's a lot. That 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 stable has a, a reach, you know? I, I, I tease a lot, but I, I love those guys. I love Killian and, and Dust and working with them. And we had the opportunity to work on a couple of projects um, during the more like more like the back half of the the pen, more lockdown area of the pandemic. Oh, where... K- Killian Vision! You guys, you guys, you were like the antagonist to their thing. Uh, yeah, it was it was beautiful. It was it was one of my favorite pieces of wrestling that I've ever got to film. Oh, awesome! That's cool. That's yeah. so cool. Um, we uh, even did, but we even did. I did part of Killian's big damn set cinematic too. Yeah, um, that was before Killian Vision. Um, I, I did a um. Tim Donst versus Dr. Cube um, and Killian and Dust were two of the, they were two of the goons of, of, uh, of uh, Dr. Cube. So it just was amazing. One of my favorite on-screen things with you and Killian is the first creep frog for Campbell frog. And you're telling a story and Killian goes, blah, 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 real spooky, Phil. That's a stupid story. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, amazing every time that you guys get to collaborate together and work it's it's always funny and that that rivalry between you and the goons but i would say like they're once they're another one too i say it every time i can give them those roses is they're showing that if you get a group of people and show you true love and support for one another in this business and make the roads and fill up a car full of people you can work together to get ahead and put together great wrestling content and help each other in this business and the goons are a great example for that but uh yeah dust will be on uh next week so definitely tune into that one and uh here's some outro music by the by the converse kid and we'll see you guys next week on the abj podcast